Logical Progression, Year 3, Chapter 12, Lesson 10. Bismillah. <coughs> okay, guys, let's get back into this text then that we were looking at. Okay, uh, you might be panicking on site and online. Don't panic, okay? Because we are here for the knowledge. And I think this is important. If I didn't think it was important, I wouldn't have included it. I also, Yani, haven't been sleeping since Fajr. And I'm also really tired And my voice is gone And I also want to go home And I have a double interest Because I've got cancer Sweating from me hardcore Okay So there's no one on this planet now Even Shaz included Who wants this to finish As much as I do But this hadith is important And we will Then after that We will uh, focus on finishing the text Which I think that we will do Within the time limit And then I believe That we should have A Q&A session after Isha That's what I believe those people who need to go, they can go because it will be recorded anyway. And the questions are on that document. And there are quite a few. But I don't think it will take too long. That's my guess. If we can do both before Isha, we will. Now listen to me carefully. Ibn Rajab, he said that <coughs> Malik narrated this hadith from Hisham on the authority of his father. And that he himself said, the one who suffers from istihada. Look at this, I'm going to read this again, so just look at this as a statement. This is Ibn Rajab. He said, The correct position is that the wording of making wudu for every prayer is an extra addition in the hadith from only Urwa himself. Indeed, Malik narrated from Hisham on the authority of his father that he himself said, The one who suffers from istihada does nothing other than make ghusl once, and then she performs the wudu for every prayer thereafter. So a complete separate clear statement that wasn't even quoting the Prophet So what do we establish here automatically? This is not a statement of the Prophet And that legally is essential. Imam Azaylai, the Don, the king, okay? He said that this extra wording of perform the wudu for, perform the wudu for every salah is mu'allaqa. According to Bukhari, it's not a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, and that is exactly what Ibn Al-Qattan said as well. Okay, so one can see that some of the other versions of this hadith to understand the above described situations. So those those narrated by Ahmed and Abu Dawood and other muhaddithin, you will see them all say the above, and they will actually have a significant difference, i.e. The statement of Urwa is included in the narration to make it look like as if it is the statement of the Prophet ﷺ himself. So for example, if you look at the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaiba, look at this. Look at this. Okay? It was narrated on the authority of A'mash, uh, Habib Ibn Abi Thabit, on the authority of Urwa, on the authority of Aisha, who said that when Fatima came to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, I'm a woman who suffers from istihada and I never become pure, shall I leave off the prayer? The Prophet ﷺ said, No, that's bleeding from a vein, not menstrual blood. Avoid the prayer during the days of your menses, then take a bath and make wudu for every prayer. And then pray, even if the blood is so much that it drips onto the mats below. Now, you might argue, okay, you might be thinking to yourself, well, hold on, right? You might say, this is clearly a proof of what? This is proof that this is a whole different hadith. Yeah, we know that the Prophet ﷺ has different hadiths of, of one incident. But that's only possible if what? No, that's only possible if, common sense answer. Different yeah, yeah, different yani, chains. If you've got the exact same chain, 
narrating a statement and then the exact same chain completely changing the story, obviously something's wrong. And we've determined what's wrong. It's not a statement of the Prophet ﷺ. And so all of these other narrations, they have not <coughs> caught on to the fact that this is a statement of Urwa. So it should also be said that the weakness in some of these versions that have the extra increment is very easy to, is very easy to see. There's so many of them that have been narrated as da'if. Anyway, as a result of the above brief study, we find that the scholars differed in their conclusions with respect to the narrations relating to making wudu for every prayer for the one suffering from istihada. And therefore, some of them are even weak. Ibn Rajab said, the ahadith, more of them, of performing wudu for every salah have been narrated from many different paths, all of them doubtful and full of hidden faults. And that is why the Maliki school, they held the opinion that it is no obligation to repeat the wudu for every prayer for the one suffering from istihada. Imam Ibn Abdul Bar, the Imam of the Malikiyah, he said, to make wudu for every prayer is only considered to be recommended by Malik as not obligatory, and not obligatory. And the reason for that is because there is no mention of wudu by the Prophet ﷺ when he said, once the period of menses is passed, take a bath and then pray. And he didn't mention wudu. And from among those who said that wudu is not obligatory is Rabi'ah, the teacher of Malik, Ikrima, Malik, Ayyub Sikhtiani, and another group of the scholars. Our conclusion, meaning mine, is the same. Not only is the extra wording... Sorry, beg your pardon. No, no, hold on. Is that mine or is that his? Yeah, it's me, it's me. Yeah, okay. Uh, our conclusion is the same. Not only is the extra wording da'if for this issue of istihada, but if this is the case, then it also suggests that none of this type of impurity, such as the blood of istihada or urinary incontinence and the like, are all not conceded to be a hadith. They're not actually, when they happen, they don't instigate a state of ritual impurity. That's a very important fact. And this is because of the following reasons. These are my reasonings. Number one, someone who's suffering from a continual condition who breaks the wudu, then even if they were to perform the wudu, yeah, it's not going to ever lift the impurity. So, okay, if we agree on this little fact, then purification is only being done out of recommendation, not obligation. Yani it can't, it's not doing anything. So what are you obligating it for? Okay? This is an ugly argument, of course, yeah? B. If indeed the blood of Istihada doesn't break one state of purity after making wudu before you pray in that prayer time, then neither will that same blood break your state of impurity after the prayer. You see what I'm saying? Okay? Or after the time period for that prayer has expired. <coughs> Thus, we have considered any kind of command to make wudu for every salah, even if we assume it to be authentic, as something recommended only. Remember, that when a command is given in Arabic language, we always assume it to mean obligatory, until we see a proof, that would suggest that it's only sunnah. And that proof doesn't always need to be necessarily a text, but it can be a reality, an argument. And like we just said, we made an argument, that if it's going to be not going to break the issue then, it shouldn't break it afterwards as well. C. If the blood which flows from a vein does not invalidate wudu, then any blood flow from a vein in the hand or in the foot would also not invalidate the wudu according to the most correct position. Therefore, we should apply the same for the blood of istihada because the Prophet <coughs> said, It is the blood from a vein, as the hadith in Sahihain confirms. <coughs> it's not right to say that just because it is bleeding from a vein in a genital area, 
that we suddenly forget that yani, it is not yani, a vein. No, indeed, reflect on the fact that sperm, this is yani, when I was like, see, I was having a mashallah moment, yeah? Mm. Right? Okay? Reflect on the fact that sperm also exists in a genitalia and it's absolutely pure. Absolutely pure. So don't yani, say that just because istihada is in the genital area as well, it becomes impure. Don't forget where it comes from. It is a venous blood. Now, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most wise and he doesn't take people to account except for what they have willfully done. And so if one is suffering from bleeding which was not wanted or intended by him, then his acts of worship are still valid. By that I mean they've not been invalidated. Why are you making wudu? Because this is not according to your control. This is not yani, something which is done for your will. Which is why the Maliki school say that if you do go whilst you're having this bleeding and you go to the toilet, then you do break the wudu. Look at what Ibn al-Mundir says in al-Awsab. He says, Common sense in this issue dictates that what Rabi'ah has said is correct. That it is not obligatory to repeat the wudu each time. Except for the fact that it is an opinion which I have no, seen no support from anyone before him. The reason I mention common sense is because if there is no difference between the appearance of the blood of istihada before, during or after wudu, and if indeed the blood of istihada obligates wudu after it, then surely a little or a lot of the, of the same blood would necessitate wudu. And if that's the case then when the one suffering from istihada starts her wudu, and then some blood comes out after she has already washed some body parts, her wudu is technically invalidated. Because the blood which, necessitate, which necessitated that original purification, okay, is now present and should be therefore necessitating again another purification, right? It's still there. But if that which comes out during wudu, or that which comes out before she starts the salah, or during the salah does not break the wudu, then this necessitates that whatever comes out after she has finished the salah also doesn't break the wudu until she breaks her wudu with something else other than the blood of istihada. That is what makes the most sense. <coughs> this is the evidence of the Maliki school for not obligating wudu for every prayer for the one suffering from istihada, and thus by extension for all those suffering from incontinence and other similar conditions except including flatulence as a result of IB. S and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The rest of the situation I don't want to cover now. You can read it when you get home. It is detailed enough for you to cover the points. So, why did I do that? The reason I did that is because the humbly position is very, very clear here. They said that what she does is she washes her genitals, tightly binds them, and she makes ablution at the time for each prayer, and then prays the obligatory supererogatory prayer. We are saying to you that that's not the class position at all. Not only that, just to, just to cheer you up, okay? And there's a footnote here in Sharh Mumtah. One of the students of Sheikh Al Uthaymeen, he says, uh, Shaz, uh, the bottom of page 503, okay? This is after Sheikh, uh, uh, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, after he just said that a person needs to make wudu for every prayer, and he goes, This is what should happen, yeah? Yeah? After he just said that, there's a footnote. Again, what did I tell you about this work? Done early in this time, sah? And what did I say about scholars? Always change their opinion. Always keep their minds open. The Mu'allid, he says, This is what our Shaykh used to consider back in the day. Then he came back from that position, and he then said that the Mustahada and those who are in a similar position, who have this continuous hadith, it is not obligatory upon them for every single prayer. But it is yustahab. It is something which is recommended only. So if he, they make the wudu, 
So once they've made that wudu, that wudu is not uh, invalidated except by a naqid akhar, by another invalidator which comes and is mustaqil, separate. Okay? And this is the madhab of Mamalik, and it is also the position of Shaykh Lusabi ibn Taymiyyah. May Allah be pleased with both of them. And this is because of the lack of evidence yani, for the breaking of wudu. And this is what I was arguing, okay? Um, Because if someone has continuous ritual impurity, then wudu la yastafid yani shay'a. He doesn't benefit from making wudu at all if he is continuously in a state of hadith, okay? Because the hadith is with him at all times continuing. Da'imun wa mustamir. And all of the and, 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 and as for the narration of Bukhari, ثُمَّ تَوَضَّئِي لِكُلِّ الصَّلَاةِ Yeah? And make sure you make wudu for every uh, prayer. فَهَذِهِ أَزْيَادَ ضَعَفَهَا Muslim. This is an addition which was considered weak by Imam Muslim. And he indicated that by taking it out completely. And he said, Imam Muslim said, well, and, in, and in the uh, hadith of Hamad, there are some words which we left out. That's a big statement. From my Muslim. In the hadith of Hamad, there are a few words we've left them out intentionally. Okay? Uh, and a number of the uh, other scholars did it as well. They made it weak. Abu Dawood Nasa'i. And uh, actually, um, Imam al Nasa'i, uh, he considered yani, all of the, 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 the these uh, narrations are weak. And Ibn Najib said the same, etc., etc., etc. Okay, now this is an interesting point. I want you to think about this. Okay, if you look at this position, this is, this is fascinating. Okay, I'm going to translate this point. This is something which we haven't covered before. Sheikh Al, uh, so the, the, the Muhaqqiq he says as a side point, but we covered this yesterday, so we should mention it. He says, as for uh, so that cervical mucus, that vaginal moisture, that excessive excretion, okay, you know, this whole position that it is obligatory to make wudu every time that she excretes or every time it yani, comes out, okay, then this is actually weaker, it's weaker than the position of saying that istihada, uh, to make wudu from istihada is wajib. Do you understand that? So the strength of the position, you know when we say that you must make um, wudu for istihada every salah time, yes, okay, <laughs> That itself, think about this. This is a really good point, which I never ever thought about before. Never thought about before. Istihada. Something which happens not so regularly, rarely. Yes? We have a hadith from Bukhari which seems to indicate that you need to make wudu for every prayer. 
And we've just proven that you don't need to make wudu for every prayer. Happy with that? Mm-hmm. Now let's move to vaginal moisture. <coughs> Something which happens far more common than the istihada, far bigger a headache than istihada. No single hadith which says that you should make wudu for every salah or every time it happens. And you want to say it's obligatory to make wudu for it? Good point, wallah. This is the fiqh. And that's why Ibn Hazm, he was the only person who stood upon this opinion. And Sheikh Uthameen, in his latter part, he moved away from the position of mumti' and he took this position, as I said, towards the end of his life. Yes. Do you say that you need to make um, wudu when it happens? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Do they say that, let's say, if you, if you, if you bleed, do they say that you need to make wudu again as well? Is it because no. of it's from the vagina that they, no. they, they say? No, no, that's not, that's not the reason. They're saying that once... Uh, 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 they said that istihada is something which you can't get away from. Okay? Yani, it's happening all the time. And so therefore, when you make your ghusl and then pray as best you can. That's what the Prophet ﷺ said. Okay? Now, it's clear from the other narrations, other companions, other yani tabi'een, that they prefer themselves that it should happen at every, well, every salah time. Okay? <coughs> Even when they say every salah time, which is the mass majority, they still know that they're not dealing with anything. The blood is still is, is going. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So, <coughs> anyway, I'm going to just, you know, I just want to say something, by the way, to the students who are here, especially those who are. The, uh, our, our regular students and those who are online you know something when we had that vote to do, decide whether we were going to do this or not yeah remember we had that vote should we do this or weekend whatever we actually said that we would go for the weekend in a quick way yes I realized that we actually covered this weekend almost like our style of LP we did not leave out hardly anything frankly right and that was not my intention, of course. All right, that was not my intention. And really, what I was thinking is that we can, you know, read the text, explain it there, maybe mention one or two evidences. But we did a lot of evidences, a lot of discussion of usul and qawaid. And, and that's why it's taken so long. Like, we basically did our normal lessons in a weekend. And that was never meant to be the intention. If you remember, we said that because that's why people didn't want to do it. Remember, the people who said, no, we don't want to do it because we're not going to get the depth. We did get the depth. I'm telling you now. But I say that because I don't really think that there needs to be too much depth for the rest of this chapter. It's actually really simple. So for example, one is not to have sexual intercourse with her except if fornication is feared. Yes? There's no evidence for that. It is something which is uh, not, not haram and that's what Sheikh Uthameen said. Okay? And the main reason for that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that these, these, these women are hathun lakum. So go to these uh, women uh, uh, So go to your harth however you may wish, okay, your tilth, all right, this is yani, your women, go to them as you wish, she is pure from menstruation, what's the evidence, secondly, the asal is that something is allowed, now this is a controversial point to be honest, yani, uh, 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 because uh, Sheikh Uthameen says, uh, that the basic principle is that this, con- this transaction of intercourse is permissible, so why are you making haram? Now, the reason this is controversial is because you know this concept of things are permissible in principle until something makes them haram. 
the, some of the ulama said, some of the usuliyun, they said that sexual uh, 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 relationships are exempt from this. Sexual relationship is the other way around. You know, like we said that... Um, it can be like the worship. Huh? Is it because it yeah, be exactly. Like... No, no, not because it's like an act of worship, but they made it like an act of worship. Let's see, the, the asal is, is it haram until you made a nikah. No, for worship. With your wife, it's, 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 it's haram unless you have a nikah to make it permissible. I don't understand. The principle is haram. It's not permissible until you have a contract to make it permissible. Because it's not an act of worship, it So what you just, you're saying that the asal is that the act itself is impermissible, all acts are impermissible until you make it halal. No, you just specifying no, this all sexual acts, acts yeah. are impermissible until there's an evidence. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and that's that's a small minority of scholars. By the way, I'm not saying that's my position. I'm saying that Usuliyun had this this discussion, and some of them took this position. They said that sexual acts are an exemption to the general rule. It's like ibadah, like what uh, uh, Abdul said. Like in ibadah, everything is haram. In worship, acts of worship, everything is haram until an evidence establishes it. And they included sexual acts as well. All right? Sexual acts shouldn't belong there. Sexual acts should belong to the actions of the people. Because the other whole half of Islam, which is mu'amalat, the actions of the people, the principle is, yani it is al-aslu fil ashya al-ibaha. Okay, every single thing is that they are allowed. Okay, anyway, so that's something which is quite. Um, uh, yeah. When you say like you know fornication is fear, is it not like in the principle taking like uh, lesser evil in the Sharia? No, no, you forget that because that's that's humbly thinking. The, whole, the, the 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 entrance of fornication into the matter is only important if you believe that it's haram. Do you understand what I'm saying or not? You didn't, did you? <laughs> you know what I'm blacking it, saying, yeah. Okay. That text there, that text there about the Hanbalis are saying it's haram to have intercourse, but if you fear fornication, then okay. Because obviously that's less than going, it's your wife at the end of the day. Khalas, yani, we'll do that then, but don't go and do commit fornication. That's what they're saying. We're saying it's not haram in the first place. So there's no need to involve the issue of fornication. I also want to say something very interesting. Uh, one of the reasons why the scholar said it's haram is why? Common sense. It what? might be menstruation, potentially. Uh, no, that was not mentioned, no. Well, what did you say? That it might be menstruation. No. What was your question? My question is that, what do you think one of the reasons, the only common sense reasons, is why the scholar said it's haram? It's difficult for the female, because obviously she went through the... Maybe, maybe. But, uh, yani, yani, link to that. Common sense. make it worse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what I want to say is that it's disgusting. That's what I'm trying to say. This blood and this and that, whatever, God knows what, yeah. Okay? What? That what? Which ayah? You have half is next to you. You're asking for help. Uh, yeah? Let's not go to them. I'm asking the question, why is it that some scholars might, from a common sense uh, angle, say don't go to them? This is not the eye of uh, evidence for you, it's an evidence for me, this one is. <laughs> You're saying it's you heard what the Sheikh said, he goes, don't go to them whilst they are in Mahil. Okay? Yeah. Once they are, when they, then 
Hey, the Amarakum Allah. Then go to them however Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you. The evidence is all on our side. Sorry, just clarify because you're talking now about istihada. Yes, istihada. Yes, so yes. just make that clear because. I am, it's yeah. very clear, bro. <laughs> the only person that's not clear to is you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the only guy unclear on the issue, bro. And how can you not make it? Come on, bro. Come on. Right, so, um, and uh, it's stated here as well. It's because it's disgusting, okay? And um, now. And, 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 and basically, I just mentioned it because Sheikh Uthameen makes, makes a, an interesting point. Is things which are disgusting necessarily haram? No. That's the answer that I, I wanted to dis- discuss. No. And the Prophet Sallallahu uh, you know the very famous uh, hadith of the lizard. Oh, yeah. Yes. And when it was brought to him, you know, he, he didn't want it. Yani, he wasn't interested. But not only did he not want it, he not only did he say, this is not yani, my, my lands. Yani, we don't have it in our in our lands. Okay, فأجدني Okay, yani, I can't stand it. That's what it actually means. That's a tr- the translation of this yani, uh, uh, this uh, 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 ending is that <coughs> I find myself disgusted by it. Yani, yeah, it's like you know lizard. How's that possible? But did, what did it make it haram? Khalid said, yani, yalla, yani, is that possible? <laughs> there we go. Bismillah. Allah Akbar. Sah? I heard that they eat this regularly in Somalia. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. <laughs> don't. You come in and you're going to... <laughs> you can't, man. you got to be fair to me. You give me such a lovely opportunity right in front of me. You are tired. We are in the last... Last fumes yes, of petrol. Yeah, Last That's part. Came to Allah, 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 <laughs> Allah. Um, okay, are we happy with that, everybody? Yes. Um, and as for as for the Sheikh, he says, uh, and it is recommended to make ghusl for every single prayer, and. That's because the Prophet ﷺ has indicated that in Bukhari. <laughs> Meaning that it's very, very clear that this is not going to be made obligatory upon her. And the Prophet ﷺ certainly never made that uh, uh, obligatory either. And there is, of course, and this is something, well, I don't know. I haven't looked into this. The doctors, especially the girls, can make a point. Probably doctors more. Sheikh Uthameen said that there is actually a medical benefit I heard. He said that. Um, he said, basically, he says the increased washing, right, will reduce the ble- the bleeding. I mean, yeah, to summarize it. Now, no, Allah Alam. I mean, I mean, I mean, he used a really simple one. He said that if you keep, I mean, again, again, you see such a relative thing. All right. Remember, when they're having a bath, they're not using, mashallah, 30 degrees water. It's cold water. You see? So you stick any, any cold water on a vein, it's going to reduce the, 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 the bleeding. And that's exactly what he says. That's called against the principle. The principle is you want it to clot, no? You want the clot to form, and if you wash, then... Well, I mean, that's internally, though, but anyway. Yeah. See, <laughs> 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 Lou, when Shaz gets into his yani, doctor mode, then realizes he's not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shaddaa. You just got one attack. This guy must give me 50 times today. Come on, man. What are you complaining about? Right. 
Okay, then that's good. Yeah, everybody. So there's something which is recommended only and uh, Allah knows best. So now the last uh, paragraph, basically, or the last thingy. So the longest duration that postpartum bleeding can last is 40 days. So now we come to the issue of nifas. Hayd is actually finished now, okay? Hayd finished a while ago. Uh, Istihada is finished. And now the final type of blood is nifas. Nifas is basically, as I could give a quick introduction to it, nifas is the bleeding which is associated with labor itself. And pregnancy, not pregnancy, with labor itself. And because we say labor, we know that it can actually happen before giving birth as well. And that before is not a long period. It's generally like, you know, maybe a couple of hours, one or two days maximum, maybe. Okay? That's, um, that's what, uh, that's what um, uh, 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 nifas is, it, it can start by. And then afterwards is very well known. Okay, nifas is something which occurs after delivery. And we're not talking about full-term delivery as well. We're talking about miscarriages as well. We're talking about stillborns as well. This is the blood which comes out with the afterbirth, with everything, all the rest of it. Okay, and it lasts for a very set period of time. That's what is called postpartum bleeding. It can happen before pregnancy, very rarely, and it happens very commonly afterwards and it happens for a good couple of weeks some people can stop you and just one two weeks in and some women can even go for a long time and this needs to be dealt with what's the ruling on this blood how do we look at it etc etc so this is what it is so the first point is is that the longest duration that postpartum bleeding can last is 40 days whenever she becomes clean before this she makes ghusl and she prays okay so the first question the first point that he makes is that the maximum time is that it is 40 days and the um uh, what did we say? What did we say? And nifas, because man nafas Allah nifas. Yani, just so that you can get an idea, why is it that it's called nifas? One of the, and why is it that it's, it's rare for it to happen before, but more uh, afterwards? Because nafasa, uh, the verb, it means to make easy upon someone. And that's why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the very famous hadith uh, that whoever nafasa and akhihi karban, yani whoever whoever uh, 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 lightens the burden or helps, gives, brings relief, yani, brings relief to his uh, brother from one of his stresses of the dunya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will nafasa yani, from you, one of your stresses on your qiyamah. It's a very massive hadith. This is a big hadith. Yani. I mean, as a hadith goes, it's knockout. Yeah? So um, the idea, therefore, that, that it's relief. So nifas is relief. So this is the blood of relief. Because obviously after labor, Yani, girl's buzzing, Yani, greatest moment of her life, so Got over that nine-month mission, labor nightmare, and now it's just, alhamdulillah, job done now, easy, plain sailing. So Yeah? Easy ride after that, so Says everyone who doesn't look after or breastfeed or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so this blood is a, a sign of happiness and relaxation. Okay, and... Um, um, and Sheikh Uthameen says that it's important to give a technical definition for nifas, which the author did not. And he said, it is a blood which comes out of the... Um, uh, it, is, it is blood which exits after labor or with labor or just before it by two or three days, but with contractions. And let me repeat that again. Obviously completely uh, different. But anyway. It is a blood which exits from the woman after labor or with it or just before it by two or three days accompanied by contractions so there, there's the, 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 that's the key thing you need to hear 
Blood five days before means nothing. Istihada. Blood two days before, one day before even means nothing. Istihada. Blood even one minute before means nothing if there is no contractions. It's istihada. Soon as the contraction starts, then that blood is takes the legal ruling of nifas. Is that clear, everybody? And that's when you stop praying. Because as you're going to see, the ruling of nifas is like hail. It's like menstruation. Okay, everybody? Right? Okay, good. Jamil. Uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Right. So the next question then that should be answered is... Did this nifas, it says that it lasts for 40 days after basically giving birth, okay? And the, the, the commentary doesn't mention this. And I'm sorry, the text doesn't mention this because they're keeping it simple. I'm just going to mention this now. And I'm not going to go into the detail because we don't have time, all right? But it's not part of the text. So I really shouldn't be. But Sheikh Uthameen mentions it. I said to you that nifas is blood which comes out after labor. What, I, what the actual fr- phrase is, is that it's blood which comes out upon? Is that the right word? No, no, uh, if, if it's miscarriage, what's that? It's not delivery, is it? What would you say if someone miscarries? What would you say if someone gives birth stillborn? There's got to be a phrase that is different to giving birth to that which is dead. You still deliver. You still deliver. Still okay, deliver. we'll use deliver for the sake of argument until someone corrects us, okay? So if you deliver a baby, <coughs> the ruling on whether it is nifas or not is essential, especially because women are miscarrying all the time. And if we are, don't get this right, then we might be putting a big yani, you know, mashakka upon her each time, not praying, whatever. Or we might be making her pray when she shouldn't be praying. Does that make sense? So a woman is always miscarrying and she's miscarrying at all different times. She's miscarrying after one month. She's miscarrying after two months, after three months, after four months, after, you know, and then people look at it from a day's point of view. So at what point do you decide that the blood with the miscarriage is actually nifas? You following the argument? So Sheikh Uthameen, when he makes a point here, he goes that this is a massive error of ishtihad. Because there's no nos on the issue. It's all down to how clever you are and how well you can present your argument. And the basic principle is that if we have something which is life, then it should be so 40 days nifas. So then the issue then comes back to when does life start? So as you know, the majority of scholars, they consider life to start at 120 days. Okay, And at 120 days, you will see... That not only is, according to the hadith or the understanding of the hadith, the ruh is blown, is blown into the embryo, then it takes yani, that ruhani kind of life. But at 120 days from a physiological point of view, we know that its organs are formed. It looks like an actual baby. 20, how many weeks? 22? 24? 24, 6, uh, no. 18 weeks. 17, 18. 18 weeks. 18 weeks. 18 weeks. 18 weeks. 16 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 
24, okay? At 17 weeks, you are definitely seeing signs of life. That's what I want to say. Okay, anyone who's in the medical field can confirm that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, at seven. No, no, I mean, actual. Not from a Sharia point of view, what, what do you term? So, that's a whole other different level of, of discussion. What is it? Are we, what are we going to depend? What are we going to call life? Are we going to call life according to the minority position, which is that life starts at 41 days, okay, or 42 days, or 40 days? These are three narrations which basically call it the 40 opinion. This is a minority opinion. It's a position that I hold personally, okay. Technically, I hold it. Practically, I hold another opinion. The second opinion is the majority, that life starts 120 days, okay? And therefore, you're in. <laughs> and then the third opinion is that, and this is, I think, a very practical one, that once you look at it, it looks like yeah, it's some form of life. So, um, Slowly. Yeah. So now listen, listen, listen to this carefully. We have created it from dirt. Then you will become a nutfa, yani a, just a drop. Okay. Then you will become like a, uh, a, a like a like a no no like a alaka, yani something hanging like like a like a clinging yani thing like a cloth, not 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 yani very well formed. Yani, key point is no sign of life, no sign of life. Mudha. Now, this is where it becomes interesting. The mudha is that which has been chewed and looks chewed. And so now what we're talking about is something which has definition. And it looks like it's got teeth marks in it, whatever. It's like something which has. Now, this is where the scholars differed. They said, is the mudha which has been chewed, is there enough signs of life there for us to now establish nifas or not? Okay, and um, so, for example, okay, uh, 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 I think we should write this down, I think it's good. So the first opinion is that if it is uh, nutfa, if it is nutfa, so nutfa would be, uh, 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 miscarries and nutfa would be like, I don't know, a couple of weeks or a week or something like that. Just for the sake of argument, yeah? Let's say a few weeks. I don't know. It's irrelevant, the time period now. But nutfa means you won't be able to see anything. Now, nutfa is going to be pure blood. It's called damul fasad. Alright? You won't see anything. And so, therefore, we are not going to rule on nifas. The second stage we said is? Alaqa. Okay? Sorry, 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 sorry. No. Sheikh Uthameen says, أَن تَضَعَ مَا مَا تَمَّ لَهُ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرُ فَهَذَا نِفَاسٌ قَوْلًا وَاحِدًا لِأَنَّهُ نُفِخَتْ فِيهِ الرُّوحِ وَتَيَقَّنَ أَنَّهُ بَشَرٌ وَحَذَانْ أَطَرَفَانْ مَحَلُّ الْإِتِفَاقِ وَبَبَيْنَهُمَا مَحَلُّ الْإِخْتِلَافِ Actually what he's done is that he's not giving an order. He's saying about what there's no difference of opinion upon. I like his actually, it's a good idea. So the, if we're going to classify them, the first position is nutfa. No difference of opinion. Because it's, يعني, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a drop. Nothing of any kind of humanity in there. <coughs> they all agree that it is. It's, the, it's like it's treated like istihada. It's not nifas. It's, not, it's what we call damul fasad. Just yani blood. Khalas. The second thing which they all agree upon is if four months has passed. There's ijma upon that. Now, once four months has passed, everyone agrees that's about what it looks like. But life has been breathed in. And so anything after four months. Then what? 
This is the hukum of nifas. The blood which comes out of that miscarriage after four months, it will be given the ruling of nifas. You can't pray, you can't do this, can't do that, blah, blah. So now we have another three or four options, another two, three options, which are differed over. So the first thing, which so the, let's give the third scenario, is that if an alaqa is miscarried, okay? So in an alaqa, the humbly madhab, they said that this is basically hayyab. Sorry, it is not hayyad, not nifas, it's nothing. It's basically, we don't know. I don't know, you have to look at everything, I ain't got a time for that. Okay, let's look at, uh, uh, bring up any standard, someone go to the internet and bring up a, um, uh, you know, one of these Islamic you know, embryology, Quran, science, we are in blah, 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 you know, thinking, you know, all that nonsense, I can't stand that kind of a boss, really. Anyway, but bring, bring one up and see, 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 see where it is on that, on that scale. <laughs> Okay, some of the scholars they said it is a. Uh, some of the scholars basically said it is, but anyway, the position of the madhab is sound on that. Okay, so the madhab that says for alaka no, the fourth position, the fourth scenario is what, mudha, and tusqita mudghatan ghayra mukhallaka. مضغة مخلقة وغير مخلقة صح؟ نعم بس قبلها بس يا أيها الناس وإن كنتم في رد من البعث ثم من نقطة ثم من علقة ثم من مضغة مخلقة وغير مخلقة يعني معطوف على المضغة نعم صح؟ مخلقة وغير مخلقة يعني معطوف على المضغة جميل So the fourth scenario is the مضغة which is مخلقة it looks actually like yani makhluq. It has human characteristics. Okay? So if it has a human characteristics, should we do the one which is not human characteristics to go up that way? Yeah, yeah okay. So the one which does not have, uh, yani because in the ayah it is put after. That's why it's confusing. Ghair mukhallaqa is what it ends with. But it should actually be the other way around. It shouldn't. We shouldn't have suffered. We should be the other way around. What I mean is that if you actually think about it, we'll find some amazing things in there, yeah? Okay? SubhanAllah, we need to look at that tafsir. Why is that? That's a good point, isn't it? Why is it that it's the other way around? Anyone looked at it? Anyone read it? Someone needs to do some study. There must be some ajeeb wisdom in there. No, that's the issue, yeah. yeah. Why is it that clearly the ghair mukhallaqa is going to come before then mukhallaqa, but it has been delayed? There must be some amazing, beautiful point there. We need to look at that. Um, uh, so, so in the madhab, it's not nifas, okay? It's not nifas, and it's obvious to see why it's not nifas because it's got no human features. So is a mudra, this is a mudra that does not have human features, and then you've got the mudra which is muhalaka bihaythu yatabayyan ra'suhu wa yadahu wa rijalahu fa akthar ahlul ilm wa mashur bin al madhab that there is nifas in this, that there is nifas in this. Oh, is that clear, everybody? And I'm following that. And Sheikh Uthameen adds another very interesting point. He says, what the one thing that we can certainly definitely say, without absolutely any problem whatsoever, whatever opinion you follow, okay, is that there is some kind of life, there is some kind of form of life, if you do what? Huh? Count the days. 
in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. You know the famous hadith in Imam al is 40. Okay, so in that narration he says that the, the, the thing will be 40 yawman nutfa thumma alaqa mithla dhalik. Alright? And then thumma is used again. Therefore, 40 days for nutfa, 40 days for alaqa, and then we know that the mudha is going to start on the what day? 81st day. Which is why many, many scholars, they said, that after 81 days, we will... Um, this is the statement of Sheikh Uthaymeen. He goes, therefore, if someone miscarries before 81 days, then there is no nifas. And any blood is treated like istihada. And this is a good position. I'm down for that. Okay? Even with my own opinion of 40 days being life. So could you say okay? Um, uh, 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 if someone miscarries before 80 days, yeah, because 81 is the yeah, so before 80 days, then the, 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 the blood is not nifas and it is treated like it is istihada. Just irregular bleeding person prays is normal, bloody blah, blah. But then if you uh, if you have something miscarried after 81 days, then you require a tathabut. So now you need to look at what it is. So 81 days is when you start to look at it and ask for it. And I want to see it. You know what I'm trying to say? Because before 80 days, it will just be gone. No one will ask you. No one will care. But after 81 days, if you miscarriage at 81 or 85 or 90 or 100, you say, I need to see it. I want to know. I need to see, did it have human characteristics or not? If it doesn't have human characteristics, then it will not be. Sheikh Uthameen obviously received some advice somewhere and he's basically been told that 90 days seems to be like a dividing point. If it's before 90 days, between 81 and 90 days, you need to really check it out. But nearly every time after 90 days, there is some kind of sign of hum- human uh, created, uh, some kind of creation. And therefore, uh, therefore, he's saying, in principle, after 90 days miscarriage, the bleeding should be treated as nifas. Mm-hmm. You're happy with that, folks? Righty-ho. If you follow the position of 40 days, then it will be If you follow that absolutely to the letter, yes. Um... Now, no, 81 to 90 will be you have to check it to see if it doesn't have human characteristics, it's just ignored. If it has human characteristics, then okay. Now, listen, important point we just deal with the, the, the question of 40 days. Does that have any basis? There are a number of scholars that said that um, it should be 40 days. And the reason for that is a hadith of Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha that she said, كانت, كانت That there are a number of the nufasa, the people, who, the women who would go through postpartum bleeding at the time of the Prophet and they would remain in nifas for 40 days. Okay? This hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed and long discussion, but basically, inshallah, it's weak and Allah knows best. Okay? Um... Although I want you to know that some scholars did consider it to be uh, authentic. Imam Nawawi did, Hakim did, Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi also said that it is, it is, it is uh, authentic. However, 
And and uh, yani some said that Bukhari did, but actually it's not true that he actually considered this hadith or he praised it. So I think this hadith is da'if. Al-Muhim is that the actual position of a number of scholars is that it wasn't 40 days at all. And in fact, many of them considered it should be 60 days. And it's the position of Imam Malik and Al-Shafi'i. And also it is a narration from Imam Ahmad via Ibn Aqil. And Ibn Aqil, of course, Imam of the Madhab. And so therefore that's something which is important. All right. So 60 days is also Mu'tabar. Okay. Anyway, anyway, basically, what did, they, what, did they do, what did they say about the hadith? They didn't say the hadith is weak. They said that this is basically what they were sitting because that's what they were happening most of the time. But 60 should be the, the limit. All right. Um, basically, there are some other scholars that said even 70. But he said this is very, very, very weak position. Then what the point the Sheikh wants to make is that to say 40 days is impossible. <coughs> because what happens when Maghrib occurs on the 40th day and she's still bleeding on the 41st? Did that change Yani from Nifas and the other one is now Istihada when nothing has changed in the nature of the blood? Remember, this is not one of those scenarios where Haid moves to Istihada. Haid is thick and dirty and dark and whatever and then it moves to Istihada which is Raqiq and Ahmar and you know, it's thin and red. So it's clear. But Nifas... You got this woman who's 40 days in Nifas, all kind of, you know, blood, and then it carries on exactly without any change. Why is it that the next day you said it's not? So he goes, What I consider to be uh, the strongest is that the blood continues as long as it's the same. Okay? Until it reaches 60. He does not like the fact that it goes past 60. Okay? Where did they get 60 from? Um... Wallahi, I'll tell you, but um, time is short. Actually, after that, after that, another day. Okay. Um, now, the question that should be asked is that what if the blood then increases over 40 or 60 days? Okay? Because it doesn't matter whether you follow 40 or 60, they both agree there's a limit, okay? And the correct position is that obviously the blood will continue. But what happens when it goes over that? Amount. The answer is if If that blood occurs at a time that was normally her hayd time, then it's considered to be hayd. So she moves like smoothly into hayd yani. Okay, that's what you said. All right. <coughs> so he gives an example he goes that we have a woman 40 days is completed okay I mean I, 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 I want the doctors to listen to this because I think this is really wrong from Sheikh okay Rahimallah ta'ala he makes a statement here which I think is really a cheap statement okay but tell me doctors I mean okay if this is right or not he goes there's a woman and uh, she's in Nifas, and her 40 days finishes f- on the first day of the uh, 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 the first day of the month. The month is irrelevant. Let's say it finishes on Muharram, okay? But lunar month, and this is a woman who is measuring her periodic per- period via lunar months. So Nifas finishes on the first of the lunar month, and back in the day, which is now obviously like 10 months ago, yeah. 
When she was having her periods, they would happen on the first day of the lunar month. So because now it's the first day of the lunar month and she's still bleeding past the 40 days, it's the first day of the month, he says, he says, um, فَإِذَا اسْتَمَرَّ الدَّمْ مِنَ الْيَوْمُ الْأَوَّلِ إِلَى السَّادِسِ It used to be five days back in a day, and now the blood continues from that day one to the sixth day. فَهَذِهِ الْأَيَّامِ نَجْعَلُهَا حَيْضًا لِأَنَّهُ وَافِقَ الْعَادَةِ We're going to make these days now menstruation, because it used to be what it was back in the day, because it fitted whatever. وَهُوَ لَمَّا تَجَاوَزَ أَكْثَرَ النِّفَاسِ صَارَ حُكْمُهُ حُكْمٌ اسْتِحَادًا وَقَدْ وَقَدْ تَقَدَّمْ عَنِ الْمُسْتَحَادَ الْمُعْتَادَ تَرْجُعُ إِلَى عَادَتِهَا فَنَرُدُّ هَذِهِ إِلَى عَادَتِهَا يعني This is actually فَإِنْ لَمْ يُصَادِفِ الْعَادَةِ فَدَمُ فَسَادِ لَا تَتْرُكُ مِنْ أَجْلِهِ الصَّوْمُ وَلَا الصَّلَاةِ وَأَمَّا أَقَلُّ النِّفَاسِ فَلَا حَدَّ لَا وَبِحَادُ يُفَارِقَ الْحَيْضِ فَالْحَيْدُ عَلَى كَلَامِ فُقَهَاءَ أَقَلْمُهُ يَوْمٌ وَلَيْلَةٌ وَأَمَّا النِّفَاسِ فَلَا حَدَّ لَا حَدٌّ لِأَقَلِّهِ So, actually, now that I've read it a couple of times, I actually don't think that what he said is so crazy. Alright? First of all, he says, that you know, like I just said to you, the blood, the bleeding, 40 days finishes on day one, and then she carries on bleeding. Okay? We're going, because it was the first of the month, back in the day when she used to have her period, we're going to make this a period now as well. But what I've just realized is that they're not, he's not making a period because it's a period. Someone answer, someone complete the sentence. Because it's a continuation of the first? No. Other is in. Come on, man, we covered this. What? Is her normal routine is what uh, the first of each month, right? And so there's bleeding there, so it's her normal. What are you it's making nice, reference it's, it's to? Nice to start. What are you making reference to? Her previous. No, that's no, wrong. Then that's incorrect. <laughs> no, it has to start at some point. So no, okay. So, 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 therefore, what's the reference here then? They're gonna make it start at the first. Uh, Why? It's Why? I stop here. Else you got it. You got to the start. Why? Why did she not know the start date? She was pregnant. No, you went wrong, man. But it's referring back to the lady who doesn't know her start. Why does she not? Because she's forgotten. No. Yeah, yeah, but why was she forgotten? Because she was in a state of. Huh? No. 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 Just tell us. <laughs> okay. How, how? Why is Sheikh Uthameen telling this lady that she should make the beginning of this month her hayat? Because he is ruling upon her al mu'tada, like the mustahada al mu'tada, the one who has a continual bleed all the way through the month, and she can't remember how long it is, when it is, or anything. What is the ruling? We tell her to start at the beginning of the month and take her time period of what is common to her people. <coughs> so she says, I'll take that as six, seven days, for example. And therefore she uses that. So actually what Sheikh Uthameen says is actually ruling not only by the Hanbali Matha, but actually a really good opinion as well. What he's basically saying is that when the 40 days stop, after the 40 days, 
it should be considered that the blood which is continuing should be like a uh, an istihada, uh, which is going to be going on for maybe another 10, 15 days or 20 days, or it could be any length of time. And so therefore we'll make it يعني, the hayyad at that time. We'll set the hayyad whilst at that moment. Now this opens up another load of problems, and time is very tight, so let's not get involved in that. But let me just make a statement and say that there is no maximum period for the hayyad, no evidence for it, even though they say 60 and whatever, whatnot, there's no evidence for it. Nifas. And nifas, sorry, nifas. And there's no minimum period either. There's no minimum period for either of the two. Is that clear? And so therefore, a woman, she watches herself, and then when she sees it, she sees it, and she stops, and as soon as it goes, it goes, and then the period will come back yani, in its right time, and then we start entering all back into the previous two chapters, okay? We go back to the previous two chapters. Now, when, whenever she becomes clean before this, <coughs> she makes ghusl and she prays. So it's quite possible for her to finish after 20 days. If she does, she certainly doesn't wait for 40 days. That's the point, okay? It is reprehensible to have sexual intercourse with her after she becomes pure, if that purity occurs before the 40 days elapses. Classic humbly or, or, or madhabi kind of argument. Full of doubt. Let's go on the safe side. We said before, legally, the word makruh is a legal statement. A legal statement requires evidence. And there's no evidence to say that it is hated to have intercourse. If she is pure, she is pure. End of story. Is that clear, everybody? So the class position is that that is not the case. If the blood returns, um, then there is doubt concerning it. So she fasts and prays and she makes up the obligatory. Okay? Alright? The text says, if the blood returns and there is doubt concerning it. So, so at 20 days she stops, and 5 days later, the whole thing starts again. Now, we don't know what that is. Is that istihada? Is that the nifas? Because it could still be. What do I do? The madhab says, she fasts and prays, and she makes up the obligatory, meaning she carries on yani, in, in, in the position if she doesn't uh, uh, ask she, because she doesn't know what's going on. Let me tell you what Sheikh Uthameen says. The correct, what the, and the correct position is this. أَنَّهُ إِنْ كَانَ الْأَعِدِ دَمُ النِّفَاسِ بِلَوْنِهِ وَرَائِحَتِهِ If the returning blood is the blood of nifas that she saw in the first 20 days, same color, same smell, in every single one of his characteristics, then it is not something which is doubtful. It is nifas. It came back. And it is a well-known blood, and therefore it is not permissible to through this blood, what? Pray, Pray fast, and, and whatever. And so therefore, that gap period, that gap period, if she did any fasting, they have to be made up. Okay? If she knows وَإِنْ عَلِمَتْ بِالْقَرَائِنْ أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ الدَّمُ نِفَاسِ فَهِيَا فِي حُكْمَةْ تَحَارَاتِ تَسُومُ وَتَصَلِّ وَلَا قَضَاءَ عَلَيْهَا If because she finds out, she looks at it, that's not yani menstruation, that's not nifas, then it's like every other type of thing that comes out, like istihada or any other blood. You just wash yourself as necessary whenever you can, and you pray and so on and so forth as much as you can as per normal. Okay? Yes. Yes. Are we okay with that, boys? Yeah? 
We've done that kind of concept before, so that's fine. The next uh, statement is that postpartum bleeding is like menstruation with respect to what is permissible and prohibited, and in what it obligates, and in what is no longer obligatory from her. Okay? The only exceptions for it are to be considered as the waiting period for divorce and as a sign of completing puberty. This is very nice and simple because, alhamdulillah, actually it's all done now, really. This is nice and easy. Right? So what is it basically saying? That, um, uh, let's, 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 yani basically the rulings are the same. Alright? So what are the rulings? Haram. Haram, it's with respect to what is permissible. Yeah, so... Uh, permissible is like everything which is permissible. <coughs> I've got no idea what to say for that, to be honest. Yeah, but whatever is permissible and hate is permissible with that. In terms of what is haram, so prayer. Let's make a list. Prayer, fasting, tawaf, intercourse. Okay, let's go for touching mushaf. Yeah, that's okay. That touching mushaf. And divorce. talaq, yes, divorce, well done, okay? According to the position of the mu'allif. And that's yani, that's, that, that, that's my position, the position of Ibn Taymiyyah as well. That any divorce, and there's a big, massive, huge debate on this issue. Talaq bid'i wa talaq sunni. But I just want to say that it seems Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. When the Prophet told Abdullah bin Umar, yani, take her back, yes? And then if you want, then make the divorce of her. Well, like, wadah, yani, that when she's in tuhur, then you go and do it. Indicates that the first one's cancelled, Yani. It's not even considered one of the three. But anyway, so that's what the same in prohibition. Okay, what about obligatory? That's a good one. What well, it says, and in what it obligates. What does hate obligate? Good. Well done, Mashallah. I didn't think you'd get that. Okay, so ghusl in hayd is also obligatory in nifas. When you clear from it, you must make it. Wayasqut. What falls from her? What is no longer of Yani anha? What is now no longer obligatory from her? Fasting, salah, anything else? No, that's it. Okay? And it's not to be considered as an idda. You can't use nifas as some kind of yani, you know, menstrual cycle period, yani for divorce purposes or something uh, uh, like that. Okay? Intercourse, would that dilham expiation also be applied? Because that's taken over from. Allahu Alam. I, I, I didn't see an answer to that, but I think so. The question was: Is that if she has intercourse, if he has intercourse with her? Without her consent, does he have to pay a dinar, kafara, or nisfuhu? My, my answer is yes, but I, 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 yani, that's because there's no evidence whatsoever to not apply it to nifas. The hadith is for hayl, but the ahkam the, yani, are the same. So, Allah Ta'ala alam, because Shaykh doesn't mention it, and you know, who knows. Okay, now, um, so it can't be used, it can't be used. Right? In Iddah. That's the difference. That's the way that is different. So, for example, for Hayd, Yuhsab in Iddah, when Nifas la Yuhsab in Iddah. He said, if a person divorced his wife, فَإِنَّهَا تَعْتَدُّ بِثَلَاثَ حِيَدٍ وَقُلَّ حِيَدَةٍ تَحْسِبُ 
من العدة والنفاس لا يحسب لأنه إذا طلقها قبل الوضع انتحت العدة بالوضع فإن طلقها بعدته لا لا ب... no. and then if he then he divorces her يعني does that make sense يعني I don't need to explain that it's a super common sense when you divorce a woman she's only divorced after three periods so this is not a period are you happy with that yeah okay and the other thing that that Hayyad uh, uh, indicates is maturity sexual maturity البلوغ and this is obviously can't because it's already any clear that she's sexually mature isn't it would you agree there is one other thing as well uh, that uh, Sheikh Uthameen mentions and he says I don't know we should we leave that that's, that, 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 that's advanced fiqh yani leave that this is the concept of al-ila yani when a person says that I'm not going to ever have intercourse with you That's يعني, a whole different يعني, uh, area of fiqh. We'll come to that in whatever. So finally, if she gives birth to twins, all right, then the beginning and the ending of the postpartum bleeding duration is taken from the time of the first birth. It's actually a really easy, nice statement to end with. Everybody happy with that, yeah? Because obviously... Um, it doesn't make a difference for the It doesn't matter because yeah. we're not taking it by days, isn't it? That's yes. Take 40 days. C- correct, correct. Yeah, and he, it doesn't really give too much of a. Um... But I'll tell you what Sheikh Uthameen mentions. He, something, he, says, he says something interesting. Um, he goes, if, if we then born on the 12th of the next month 12 days later no Th- 42 days later okay what's the technical possibilities by the way just wait wait before you embarrass yourself Yanni. just wait ask the doctors I'll ask the doctors you see I was going to do my own best as well but I just thought you know what let me just ask the doctors before they say to me what you're talking about so uh Huh? If say they were um, tri- 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 so one had already yeah. passed away, yeah. still born, for example. Right. They would be born and then they would try and keep the baby, the second baby alive. Oh, no, no, that's fine. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about any, uh, con- uh, 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 concurrent birth or whatever. We're talking about a gap. <laughs> They're pure blaggers, I swear, man. All, all of them are on their phones, googling, whatever. Okay. Check it. <laughs> Let me just say Check this. Yes. Let me just say this. I work in neonates. Ah. So whenever there are twins, yes. it's considered an emergency. G. They get the first out ah. and they get the second out straight away. Nay, nay. So, so I've never so seen this 42 days. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you know what? Yeah. That's the end of that. No, 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 that's not good enough. That's no way good enough. That's a cop out. You can't, bla- you can't, you can't, you can't black that. What kind of knowledge is that? Oh, you know what? 
Let's get them both out. <laughs> well, if we don't want to get the, the second one out. Sheikh, he says here that the Guinness World Record belongs to between the birth of twins. 87 days. 87 days. Allah Akbar. 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 You can see the mas'ala, isn't it? Yeah? You can see why he's giving that example, right? So, Think about it, yeah? She's bleeding all this time, isn't it? Because she just gave birth. Then she gives birth to this kid, 42 days later, she's going to bleed now for that kid. The humbly say, she has to start praying straight away. <laughs> it's an important point, isn't it? Yeah? Because there's no nifas. Sorry, because they said nifas starts from the first kid. Okay? And I think Warrajah, Sheikh Uthameen says, as for what's more the correct opinion, he goes, Ida tajedda damun lithani fa innaha tabqa fi nafasiha walo kanib tidaihi minathani. Idan kefiukal laysibishay wahiya waladat wajaahadam. Okay? He's basically saying that يعني, يعني, the, the, the point is that it's about nifas. يعني, he's basically saying, why we're losing our heads and focusing on the days? يعني, the, the, the nifas came out, it might have stopped, might have not, and then we got more blood, which is called nifas, because it's relief. She's relief again, isn't, isn't it? When she went through labor first time, that was a mission enough. She's still got يعني, miskin labor again, and we want to give her يعني, relief second time. So she should be given the uh, the uh, concession to, you know, enjoy herself with a little bit of a holiday, yani, after the mission of giving birth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. <laughs> Did I just finish before 8 o'clock? Dang, brother! What are you saying, Shaz? Alhamdulillah, you've got 15 minutes of Q&A and that's it. No, don't say that. Haram, Shaz. Haram. Haram. What we'll do, inshallah, bismillah, alhamdulillah. Uh, yeah, by the way, I didn't read what uh, the what the muallif said. He goes, "Intaha bihamdillahi taala al mujallad al awal, wa yalihi bi mashiat Allah azza wa jal al mujallad al thani wa awalahu kitab al salah." Allah akbar. It is finished. We have finished by the praise of Allah, um, the Most High, the first volume, and what follows it by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa taala is the second volume. And the beginning of that is the Book of Prayer.